Hello there. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Alcohol consumption on the college campus. That's my topic. We're looking today at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, Canada, just above north uh, part of New York State, and uh, a major university in Canada, the equivalent to UCLA or University of Arizona or the University of any major state you want to name. So we're looking at a major university here and a large university and a major university in the context of a culture and of this country. What's the alcohol consumption? How does a campus deal with alcohol consumption? How does a campus help students process the dangers of alcohol consumption and maintain a drinking pattern that's reasonable and safe and healthy. Well, let's take a look at what Queen's University is doing. In contrast to what Queen's is doing, many uh, universities just usually restrict alcohol consumption at certain times of the year, certain times of the day. They restrict it in certain places, such as not at games, and uh, and so on. They put a restriction on, kind of a governmental approach to alcohol consumption. University comes down and just makes a decision that thou shall not drink at these times and in these places under these circumstances and so on. Doesn't do very good and uh, hasn't made any much change in the alcohol consumption. Uh, stories are over and overwhelming in terms of the alcohol consumption in sororities and fraternities and the students that die every year as a result of excessive drinking. It's an incredible story. So it's time to take a look at it and see what Queens is doing. I think it's an example. I think it's a model for their universities and for other organizations, and maybe even for a family, if you want, as to how you handle alcohol consumption. They did a couple studies just to kind of help them get started on this program. And here's one study that they did. They took a group of students that drank about two beers or fewer at any given drinking episode. In other words, they were considered to be mild mild drinkers. One or two beers per drinking episode. And then they asked them what they thought their peers drank over a particular period of time. And they thought that 60 or 6%, 6 to 7% of their peers drank like they did. Very little alcohol. That's what they predicted. Actually, their peers drank more. But when they drank little, they thought their peers drank little. That was the finding that they came up with. Then they selected a group of students that would drink anywhere from three to six drinks the last time they partied. And again, they asked them to count how many beers their peers drank at that same party or at a party that they would go to. Here's the interesting point about it. 48% of those that drank excessively thought that their peers, 62% of them, drank excessively. So what they really are showing here is that for students who drink excessively, they think everybody drinks excessively. And for students who drink little or moderately, think everybody drinks little or moderately. In other words, 
Your perception is based on your own experience, not on reality. So, I guess what we do when we drink, we want people to drink like we. At least we want to perceive it like that, or we want to think it to be like that. Then that makes our drinking kind of justified. It's okay. Here's another study that they came up with when they were looking at alcohol on campus. In 2016, when this study was done, they surveyed 21% uh, of the students who had uh, not used alcohol for at least 30 days. Had not used it for at least 30 days. And um, what they found is that 23% um, to 25% had not used alcohol in the last few days, and 16% had never used it. Okay? So in other words, about a third, almost a third, students had not used alcohol in 30 days. That means about 60, 60% of them had used alcohol in 30 days, but only about 16% never used it at all. That was in 2016. In 2019... That went up. It was a little over 30% of the students had not used it at all for 30 days. And 15% of the students had not used alcohol at all. Never used it. So what they found between 2016 and 2019, that those students that had never used alcohol at all increased from 16 to 19%. But what they found is that those that did use it uh, fewer of them were actually using it to excess and in a 30-day period of time. So we're finding that, in a sense, alcohol consumption appears to be a little bit more under control than it was before, a little bit less consumption than it was just a couple years ago. So something is going on in the campus where alcohol consumption is a little bit more controlled, a little bit more reasonable, a little bit more um, moderate, you know, than it was not too long ago at all. So I guess what we want to do is to kind of find out what is happening on campus. Well, here's what Queen's University started to do. They formed not only a committee, but they formed an entire task force, an entire program on campus. And they found a place on campus that they could put up like a uh, drunk tank. I guess what we call it in our city is a drunk tank. So if students got, became drunk, they could be taken to that particular room where there were cots and beds and let them sleep it off overnight. Rather than be out on the street or drive or go on the campus dorms and make them a, a, a raucous. So they went to these, so they set up this kind of drunk tank, a place to go when drunk. They didn't get lectures, they didn't get any degree of chastisement or fines or anything like that. It was just a place to go and drink it off and just sleep it off and then go on with life. But if a student kept showing up at these drug tanks over and over again, they started to alert the student health center and they started to um, educate that particular student a little bit more forcefully, a little bit more directly 
on his drinking and his excessive drinking, or her drinking and her excessive drinking. Didn't matter. So that way they could tally or they could keep track of students that were the excessive drinkers and those that were not, and then try to deal with them in an educative you know, kind of way with both educational efforts that were direct and educational efforts that were indirect. So what this program really did was to try to get on campus an educational program and help students think it through before they got into the drinking pattern. So when students came for their orientation as new students, freshmen, they had orientation on the evils of drinking, if you will, and the uh, duty to, to drink responsibly and cautiously and moderately. So they had an educational effort right from the very beginning, before students even hit the first classroom. They got lectures and they got discussions and they got papers and they got educational efforts to help them think through the value of moderate and responsible and minimal drinking as compared to excessive drinking. So they really got at these students at the very beginning of school and then followed it right on through the whole four years as this program introduced educational lectures and educational opportunities and materials and so on throughout the entire school year all the time. In other words, it was a message that students were getting. Drink responsibly. Drink wisely. Drink moderately. Drink little. And it's okay not to drink at all. That was the message that they were getting out to students throughout the entire four years of their college experience starting with early on. One of the other things they did was to help students think through their drinking style. And they gave tips about drinking. Those that did drink, they gave them a, little, a few tips. And here's just one tip that they gave them. They helped them understand that a glass of wine is not a glass of wine. It's actually two glasses of beer or two bottles of beer. See, most people think, well, I only had a glass of wine. That's all I had. One. Well, that's one glass of wine, but that's equal to two bottles of beer. You know, you think of it this way. When you go out to a restaurant and you order a meal and then you say you have a glass of wine, are you really asking the waitress to bring you two bottles of beer? That's what you're doing, basically. So they were helping students think through what alcohol really is. And if they had a hard alcohol, hard drink, that's equal to three bottles of beer per hard drink. So students sometimes don't think that way. A lot of people don't think that way. They just think that all I'm having is one drink. No, you're not having one drink. It's the amount of alcohol equivalent in each drink. So that was kind of like one of the tips. One of the other tips they gave them was watch how you drink. You know, we've known this for years and years. You can watch people drink and you know who the alcoholic is. You know who the one who will become an alcoholic. In other words, they gulp their alcohol down. They drink rapidly. They drink a lot. And they drink frequently. And they drink in big gulps. That's the would-be alcoholic or will-be alcoholic. We just know that the style of drinking is a predictor of whether you become an alcoholic or not. Because when you gulp, when you drink rapidly and drink a lot, you're drinking more alcohol per moment, per drink, than anybody else. And that just leads to quicker addiction, sooner addiction. So one of the other things they had them do, obviously, was to learn how to drink 
in just small, small sips and let it linger throughout the day and throughout the evening of the drinking episode. So in other words, this program worked on helping people learn how to drink responsibly, not just tell them to drink responsibly, but actually teach them how to do so. That's kind of the tips that they were trying to give them. And then obviously they had a lot of discussion and a lot of brochures and a lot of lectures on what we know as binge drinking, the evils of binge drinking, if you will, the negative value of binge drinking, the hurt and the harm that comes to oneself for binge drinking, which means you don't drink at all and then drink a great deal of alcohol. Then you don't drink at all and then you drink a great deal of alcohol. And your body can absorb that over years of drinking like that. Binge drinking is unhealthy. Binge drinking is an alcohol addiction form of drinking. Binge drinkers become alcoholics. Binge drinkers become unhealthy as a result of their drinking. So it was tips like that that they tried to help their students understand and avoid such kind of drinking behavior. They also gave materials and gave lectures and gave information out on how alcohol processes through the body. Sure, you drink it and it goes into the stomach, but then where does it go? Well, we know. We know. It goes to the brain. We know that it goes to the liver. We know that the heart is affected. We know that the stomach is affected. We know that the gastrointestinal tract is, is affected. And on down we go. Alcohol affects the major organs of the body. And we know that over time, those organs break down as a result of alcohol consumption. The problem is this. Here's the problem. The body doesn't break down for about 20 years of drinking. The body's pretty resistant, if you will. But if, if you've been drinking for about 20 years, pretty consistently so, and, and perhaps at excessive levels, it takes your body about 20 years to break down, and then you're majorly ill and hopelessly ill. That's when you have liver damage, heart damage, stomach damage, esophagus damage, and so on. So they tried to help students understand that the entire body is affected. It's not just a matter of drinking for taste or for smell or for the buzz. It's drinking in a manner that the entire body, the organs of the body are ill-affected. And over time, those organs break down. And over time, your health breaks down and it's early death. Now here's the problem. Students, more than anybody, students at that age are not concerned about the future. They're only concerned about the here and now. So this is the problem of alcohol consumption. You want to drink now. You want to have a buzz now. You want to understand that right now you didn't drink to the point of being drunk. You didn't pass out. You didn't lose your consciousness. You could still drive or whatever. That's what students think. But they don't think about the long haul because that alcohol that you drank today is building up an ill effect for the future 20 years from now. It's an accumulative effect over time. So it isn't a matter of just drinking and then it's gone. Sure, you're drinking, but the effects on the body build up over time to the point that it builds and breaks down the body over time. So that's the kind of thing that these 
students at Queens were trying to educate their fellow students about so that they would be wise, they'd be smart, they would be thoughtful, they'd be considerate, they'd be responsible in this area of drinking. And obviously you wouldn't hope that that would carry over to other areas of life. They would give thought to how they behave and thought of their choices and thought of their behavior patterns and their routines and how they treat other people and how they treat themselves over time. You'd hope that that would have an effect about a lot of different areas of life, not just alcohol consumption. So it's a matter of dealing with it in a straightforward way. It's a matter of dealing with it in a non-judgmental way. It's a matter of dealing with it in a non-shameful way, but in an educative way and helping students understand what they're doing. Now, we know that education does not control alcohol consumption. We know that educating somebody does not stop somebody from drinking. We know that educating somebody does not reverse the addiction pattern. We know that. But the educational process can be helpful in the very early stages of a young student's life, an 18-year-old, if they begin to understand the factors that are associated with responsible drinking, and then the factors which are responsible for irresponsible drinking. And that's the approach that most people take, is to indicate why, how not to drink and why not to drink and how not to drink irresponsibly and so on. But really what this program tended to do and found to be very helpful was educating people proactively early on in the aspects of responsible and healthy drinking, controlled drinking, moderate drinking, if you will. And that's the way it goes. So maybe that's something for you and your own family. Maybe that's something for you and your friends. Maybe it's something for you and your, your young teenagers to start the process of educating your family, your kids, in the area of responsible drinking, if that's what it's going to be. And maybe there's an advantage even to not drinking at all, like 15% of the population that does not drink at all. That's a small percentage, but it's a major percentage that has, just don't drink at all. 15% of the Canadians in 19, pardon, 2019. And that increased from about 11% in 2016. So more Canadians are choosing not to drink at all in their young ages. So we bless them and we encourage them to continue that path. As alcohol is not a required drink. Alcohol is not a necessary drink. Alcohol is not a healthy drink. Alcohol is not an encouraging drink. It's not an educational study advantage drink. Alcohol is a dangerous and a hidden dangerous liquid to, to consume. So we have to approach it as best we can in a responsible and a smart and a wise manner. Anyway. Thanks for joining me on the uh, podcast today on controlled drinking, responsible drinking on the college campus. And if you have any kids, if you have any contact with those on the college campus, you might direct your campus, your university, your administration of your university to look at what Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario is doing in the area of alcohol consumption.
Bless them for doing so. Bye for now.